highest of heights to the depths of the sea. So Jesus here in verse 16 is taking this all into account. He's already, these things have already happened. And so now he gives them that lesson again. And yet, they were still going to argue about it. Because moments, maybe an hour, maybe less from the time that he's speaking to them about this whole idea of being a servant and what I'm doing to you, you don't understand now, it would be just minutes or maybe an hour or less from that time they would argue about who would be the greatest. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus was far more than an example to the disciples, and they needed more than that. Yet Jesus certainly was an example to those disciples and all who would follow him. They must take him as an illustration for both attitude and action. If Jesus, who is our master and who sends us, humbly served in this way, it is even more appropriate for his servants and sent ones to do so. The theory of being humble and being a servant isn't worth very much. But the practice of being a servant pleases God, fulfills our calling, and brings blessing and happiness to others. And now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. He was sincere in his love and his devotion to Jesus, but he, like many of us, we just don't understand our own selves. We don't even know our own limitations. See, it is possible to be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. And we can also be sincerely unaware and overconfident in who we are and what we do. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Verse 10, and Jesus said, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And boy, does that start something. Not all of you are clean. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. See, we are completely clean, and the disciples there, except for one, was completely clean. And they only needed daily to confess their sins. So when Jesus said, you are not clean, he was referring to Judas. Judas was not a believer. He was not a believer. In fact, in John chapter 17, which we're going to get to many weeks from now, it's Jesus said, those, in Jesus speaking to the Father in his prayer, he says, those you gave me I have kept, none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. What scripture? Well, Psalm 41 verse 9. David, even when he wrote this psalm, he was probably thinking of Ahithophel, this this man who he looked up to, who was a great counselor to David. But David was also prophesying of Judas betraying Jesus, because he said in verse 9 of Psalm 41, Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. 
And so, verse 12, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. That's a great lesson for us, isn't it? We are not greater than Jesus. We're not greater. And the one who is sent is not greater than the one who sent him. But Jesus turns the whole thing upside down, and the whole reasoning of the world is completely backwards. And yet only Christians, only us, only we understand this. And we may understand it, but we may not do it. But happy are we if we know it and then do it, as we will see shortly. But many days prior to this, Jesus spoke to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said this. And again, we're going back in time now. Jesus said this in Matthew 10 verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And if they have called the master of the house, speaking of Jesus, if they've called me Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And then later on, there was an incident where James and John approached Jesus. And you remember what this was in Matthew chapter 20. It says, the mother of Zebedee's sons, uh, speaking of uh, James and John, they came to him, she came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something of him. And just picture this scene. And Jesus said to her, what do you wish? She's there with Peter and John, or James and John, excuse me. He says, what do you wish? And she said, and I wonder if they put the mother up to this. You know, Did they not have a guts to not say, you know, let's just go to Jesus and talk to him ourselves? They're like, hey, Mom, can you go ask Jesus? You know, when we get into the kingdom, can we, have the, can we sit on a, you know, next to him while he's on his throne? Can you, know, can you work that out? Mom, we'll do anything. We'll, we'll make our beds. We'll do all those things that you want. We'll take out the trash from now on. I promise for a year. You know? So she gets, <laughs> they get her to do it. And Jesus answered, and she says, Grant these my two sons that may sit on your right hand and on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and says, You don't know what you ask. And then going on in the, in, the, in the passage, when the others heard of it, they were indignant, they got mad at James and John, and they, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So Jesus here in verse 16 is taking this all into account. He's already, these things have already happened. And so now he gives them that lesson again. And yet, they were still going to argue about it. Because moments, maybe an hour, maybe less, from the time that he's speaking to them about this whole idea of being a servant and what I'm doing to you, you don't understand now, it would be just minutes or maybe an hour or less from that time they would argue about who would be the greatest. You know, I like the disciples because I find myself kind of thick and I don't always get it and I, I can relate. And these were men. See, if it was a, 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 a gaggle of gals around Jesus, they would have gotten it. They would have taken notes. They would have known everything and they would be able to spell it out and, you know, and, and even abbreviate things and, and to share it with others on Facebook. 
But the guys, like, what? You've talked to us before, and now this. And, and, and Jesus, he has to tell them, because later on that evening, it says that uh, there was a dispute among them as to which of them, and this is in Luke uh, 22, verse 24, there was a dispute among them about who would be the greatest. It's like, guys, didn't you, did you not hear what I said? And again, I don't mean to make them sound like, you know, I mean, they're no different than any of us, honestly. But but the reality of being a servant of Jesus is to be lower. Are you willing to be lower? Are you willing to serve like Jesus served? Are you willing to show the things that he did? He demonstrated that. So much so that he even demonstrates his greater love has no man than this, than he, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, I no longer call you, you know, servants. You're my friends. And didn't he lay down his life for his friends and also for you and I? And if he's willing to do that, is there anything, anything in this world that he wouldn't do? Is there anything in the world that we shouldn't do to help somebody else? I mean, think about that. Is there anything? You know, Jesus spoke in John 15. He said, if the world hates you guys, you know that it hated me before it hated you. This is the cost of discipleship. This is cost of being a servant of Jesus. It's, you're in enemy territory. This world is not going to be kind to you. It's not going to put its arm around you and say, you're, you're, you're such a wonderful guy. You know, you're a great worker. You're a great dad. You're a Christian man. You know, and... Um, so thankful for that, that you're part of our culture, our community. We want to give you the keys to the city. No, you're not going to get any of that. Chances are. In fact, you're probably going to get the other side of it. If the world hates me, Jesus said, it's going to hate you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they are going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you, for, for you, or do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. And then he finishes, and this is where we'll finish today. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Underline those two words, the word know, and then if you do them. It's a conditional statement, isn't it? If you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. If you know, blessed are you if you do them. And you and I have been so blessed in this country, in this church, to have Pastor Jeff for so many years, and hopefully I'm you know, uh, following in that same wonderful path of teaching you the Word of God and encouraging you in it. But if all we do is hear things and we become Bible students, but we don't become servants, then all of this hasn't accomplished everything that God wants it to. Because we have to take this. We have to know. We first have to know. It has to get into our minds first. We have to uh, you know, get it into here. But then it ought to do something to us. It's got to. Otherwise, we can be just like anybody else. It has to get up here, but then don't let it set there for too long. You start acting upon it. Act upon it. Do it. 
Do what it says. Be faithful when it says to stay away from these things. Stay away from the, the line, you know, stay away from the fire. But no, we get right to the edge like a little kid and go, is that the edge right there? And kids do that, right? I love children because that they, are, uh, they show in very physical, poignant ways who we are, but we're more mature and we hide it better. But they are just like the ones to go up and don't touch that stove. When the stove is red, don't touch it, Johnny. And Johnny goes up and goes, really? What are you going to do if I touch it? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What you going to do? Right? We are that way. <laughs> so, but we have to get it from here, from this, 18 inches down into here, and then we act upon it. It must be something we do. It can't just be something that gets stuck here. Otherwise, we become Pharisees. That was the Pharisees' problem. They had a lot of knowledge, and they were revered for their knowledge. Oh, PhD, you're so wonderful. Love you, brother. We'll pay you money to come and speak at our church. We'll give you a $1,000 honorarium because you're so high and mighty and highfalutant and you've been to all the right schools and, man, you got the little Oxford signia on there and, boy, you look great. You even smell great, man. You're just, you're like, oh, I just want to be like him. And God is like, oh, please. (laughs) The guy knows everything up here, but he's done nothing for me. He's done nothing for me. That's the difference, right? We're going to look at a few scriptures and then we'll end. James, Jesus' half-brother, coming to faith after Jesus' resurrection, James tells us in his letter, and we've looked at this before, be doers of the word. That's why Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Know and then do. But be doers of the word, Jesus' half-brother says, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one is blessed in all that he does. And all what he does. That's the secret to Christianity is not to just listen and to read and to become fat sheep. No, we got to be fat sheep so we can do. And if we go out and do, we're going to be leaner sheep too because we're doing something. Right? And so we have to do that. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And notice that it's not good enough just to have the knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 8, what does it say? Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. And what is love? Love is something that is seen, should be something that's seen and not just heard. Oh, I love you. But if there's no reinforcement behind that love, if there's no proof of that love, then it's really not love at all. It's just a bunch of empty words. It's just a bunch of empty words. There is a difference between knowledge and faith leading to obedience. James in chapter 2, verse 19 says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. But guess what? Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons know. They have the knowledge. They know that God is real. And they've got all these men in universities all over the country and all over the world that have a lot of knowledge. And just like the devil, they have the knowledge But guess what? The devils deceive them because they don't even believe in God. The devils believe in God. They know he's very real. They know that. But the devil loves to deceive people and say, no, you're you're much more, you're on a higher plane. 
You're approaching God-like substance. (laughs) But even the devil and the demons have knowledge, but they rebel and they do not do. But we are to know and then to go out and do. James again in chapter 2, verse 14 says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. And he says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Our faith ought to be an outlet of what we believe. If we believe it, and we really do believe it, there ought to be a demonstration of it. The demonstration of it doesn't justify us before God. No, we're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, by grace through faith. But if I do have a genuine faith, there ought to be something that is Something demonstrating that faith, right? It's true. That's why Jesus said, you know these things, but blessed are you if you do them. And so as Jesus is modeling this servanthood, he says, now you go do likewise. And the foot washing ceremony, that's all fine and good, you know. And I mean, people have done that. You don't see it happening in the first century a whole lot, the foot washings and making a big deal out of that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, of course, but we've got to take it beyond just the foot washing, the very practical. Are you serving God? Are you serving Him? Are you serving others? Are you willing to serve others? Even those that hate you, even those that don't like you. And boy, this has been a, really, a real challenge for me lately. Isn't it easy? Especially now with everything that's going on politically. In our country, there are people that I just, I'm like, I shake my head, but you know what? God's challenged me to say, hey, can you still love them? Can you still pray for them? Oh. And he says, Rob, when you were a rascal, when you were a filthy little animal, I had people praying for you. Do you remember that? And that really challenges me then, doesn't it? I'm gonna, so I'm going to leave you with, one, with a, the lyrics to a song. This whole idea of demonstrating something. And it's a, it's a song by Jeff Moore in the distance. It's, it's an old song back in the 80s, I believe it was. But it's called Live to Tell. You've heard me share this lyric before, but I'm going to share it to you again. Because Jesus says... It's great that you know, but you're going to be really blessed if you do. There's got to be a response to, if I say I love, there ought to be something demonstrating my love. And this lyrics to the song go like this. We've all heard it said that actions speak louder than words. And love that is seen means much more than love that's just heard. That's the way it was with our Savior, whose life told the story of love. Someone was watching, someone was listening, dying to know what he knew so well. It helped them believe it if they could just see it. That's why Jesus lived to tell. Now this is my prayer, Lord, help me to live what I say. For so many times I know that my actions betray. Let it be like it was with my Savior. Let my life tell his story of love. Because someone is watching, someone is listening, dying to know what we knew so well. It will help them believe it if in us they see it. That's why we must live to tell.
Those are pretty powerful lyrics. And so the real point of this, as Jesus is washing the feet of his guys, is to teach them humility. Are you willing to do the base things? Are you willing to do the things that nobody else is willing to do? And yet, Peter was the one who probably should have been doing that. And yet, Peter didn't voluntarily, he didn't willingly stand up and come over with the basin of water and wash everybody's feet, which was customary. Somebody else is going to do it, but not Peter. And Jesus thought to himself, well, I'll do it. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with doing that. So that really challenges us. Is there anything too, anything too dramatic for us that we wouldn't do for someone else? Are we willing to bring a meal to a sick friend? Are we willing to help someone pay for their groceries when they've been hit hard with some you know, calamity and they're, they're struggling? Or are we willing to dig a disabled person's car out of the snow in their driveway if we can and we're able, of course? Are we willing to pick up a prescription for someone at the drugstore for someone who's a shut-in? Are we willing to help a friend or a neighbor clean a septic tank disaster? Are we willing to help a friend or a neighbor move and willingly offer and be servants? Be willing to be a servant in all things. And I pray for myself and I pray for all of you that we would not forget this. And as you read and reread this passage over again, let it challenge you that if God Almighty was willing to do the very basest of things and willing even to go to the cross when we did not deserve it, how much more should we rise to the occasion, especially in this dark hour where everyone is filled with so much hate and anger, for us to turn that around now? Now is our time to shine, church. It really is. People need to see it. They need to see us love. They need to see that we're, we are being controlled by something other than what the world is being controlled. It's easy to be angry and hateful right now. And I know you're resisting it as well as I am. But we have been called to something much greater. And Jesus has given us the strength and his spirit in us to make it possible. So let's stand and let's ask him, Lord, Lord, make us servants. Lord Jesus, make us servants in this world that we live in now, Father. I confess, and I know many of my brothers and sisters here could confess of their anger and their frustration and their disapproval of things that are happening all around us, Lord. We know what's coming, Lord. You've shown us, and thank you for that. And Lord, help us in the midst of of this storm that we're in, Lord, to love And to show that love, God help me. Lord, perhaps the one person in this room who needs that message preached to them is myself. And you know that that is true. And so, Lord, would you heal me and heal my brothers and sisters and help us to serve you, to be servants of God. And because you were the example, the supreme example, you didn't say, go do this. And never do it yourself. No, you said, go do this because I have done this and I have shown you these things. Lord, help us to be those servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.